come up with a <laughs> short. And welcome to Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. My name is Andrew Murata, host of the show, and it is show number 101, 101. And yes, we're at triple digits. Uh, we're so fortunate and blessed uh, to have a show number 100 with my in-laws uh, for their 50th wedding anniversary. So that was a lot of fun. Um, but I do have a guest right off the bat here with me. Uh, this is Danielle DiLorenzo, and uh, she is a community member here in Port Jervis and works at our Port Jervis Free Library. And uh, I wanted to have her on. Uh, they got a, a program going on here that we kind of wanted to publicize a little bit. So, Danielle, what, what's the program we have coming up here uh, that you could share with us? So we've put together our first ever mini Comic-Con here at the library in Port Jervis. Uh, we are teaming up with Haven for Heroes, an amazing local business here in Port Jervis. A great comic book shop, all kinds of fandom and pop culture stuff there. Um, and like I said, we're putting on our first ever mini Comic-Con, Port Jervis Fan Fest. So we have... So many different people coming. Um, we have some great influential people in the industry, uh, comic book artists. Um, we have a pretty big name, uh, Michelle Knotts, who has been voicing over for Pokemon for the past 12 years. Wow. Uh, and we're going to have just a ton of really great activities for all ages. Uh, we are not functioning as a library that day. We are just going to be the venue for this big event. And hopefully we can get as many people in as possible from the surrounding areas. Very cool. And I know you've reached out to school and, and connect with the schools. What um, what do you hope, you know, when the event is all said and done, you know, and give the date and time again, uh, what do you hope that that uh, happens? Uh, so the event is going to be taking place on September 28th from 11 a.m. till 4 p.m. here at the library at 138 Pike Street in Port Jervis, New York. Um, our end game goal is to just get people to know that libraries are more than books. Um, there's a stigma that when you walk into the library, you have to be quiet keep your head down, only touch what you're checking out, no food, no drink, no fun. Uh, and we want to let everybody know that we are moving with the times. Um, most libraries are, and I want them to walk out of here going, wow, I didn't know libraries can do that. Very cool. Well, that's here at the Port Jervis Library, and this was Danielle DiLorenzo. Danielle, where can they learn more about it? If they want to go online, uh, that's our theme for today, online with our guests coming up here momentarily. But where can they find more more information about absolutely so our website is portjervislibrary.org uh they can also follow us on instagram snapchat and facebook look at you and if you just go ahead and google port jervis fan fest a ton of results come up we're listed in a couple newspapers and on a bunch of different websites so all the information is there very cool thank, thank you. you danielle all thanks right. for, for popping in here <laughs> absolutely all right all right i will talk to you after the show all right, everyone. Um, again, this is show 101 and a little commercial for an event here uh, in Port Jervis. Um, a quick shout out. Uh, I am at Andrew Murata 21 on Twitter. If you are enjoying the show, if you are liking it, please leave us a review on iTunes um, and or reach out on Twitter. Um, we're enjoying it and we're happy to get to 100 and continue to meet amazing guests. And I am going to welcome in today's guest. Uh, who I'm very much looking forward to talking with and, and getting to know more. 
and we are going to pop her in right there. And there she is, everyone. This is Carol Hernandez from Stony Brook University. Carol, welcome to Education, Leadership, and Beyond. Hi, Andrew. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and thanks for making the time, uh, Carol, with us. Carol and I met uh, last spring uh, in my first online learning experience, and she was the professor, and, and she did, did a tremendous job. Um, and now you're at, you're with Stony Brook University, Carol. Right. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your educational journey? I know you as a professor, but, you know, tell us, tell me a little bit about your background to open the show. Sure. So I'm officially not a professor. Um, I'm an instructional designer. And so I work with professors and I help them with their teaching. And sometimes that means using technology to teach. Um, but really, my focus is on their teaching and their pedagogy. Um, because as you may know, um, a lot of our professors are very well trained in their discipline. So you can have a PhD in your discipline. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that you have training to teach. So you might need some support. For example, you might need some help with writing um, learning objectives or help in um, assessing the learning that students are doing in your class. Um, you might need some support with creating engagement with students or active learning exercises. So that's where um, I would come in and people that do this kind of work, um, instructional design. Great. And Carol, tell me, like, what does that conversation look like? You, you go into a professor's classroom or their office and you begin to talk about how you can support them and how you can help them. What does that conversation look like? So actually it works um, the other way around. A lot of times they will come to us. We have a space on campus. It's called the Center for Excellence in Learning and Teaching. And we actually have a faculty commons and it's like this awesome lounge. We have coffee and we have technology and we have, you know, um, audio video conferencing tools, light light boards, smart boards. We, we have everything. Wow. Um, and so that is a space for faculty to drop in any time that they need support or just coffee and just want to talk. So a lot of times they'll come in and they'll say, for example, um, you know, my students aren't really engaged. Um, they're just kind of sitting there and they're not really talking or making comments and, you know, I want them to be more active. And so what can I do? And so you want to start with looking at what it, what are the learning outcomes? What, are, what is it that you want students to walk out with? What learning should they be able to master while they're in your course? Um, and we, and we start looking at that and start thinking of different activities that you could do that would align with those outcomes. Um, so for example, um, you know, just some quick ones like think, pair, share, um, you know, a one minute paper. Um, so these are things you can do in class, in person with students to get them talking to the person next to them to maybe think about, you know, what they're hearing, what they're learning and sort of sharing with each other. Um, the one minute paper could be, you know, write for one minute tell me what you're hearing from this 
lecture or what you're hearing from this reading that you were supposed to do and um you know or tell me questions that you still have you know the muddiest point what's the muddiest point um and all of those activities are aimed at getting students to to physically do things um to kind of show what they know but also to show what they don't know where where they're still foggy um, so these are the things, these are the kinds of conversations I have with faculty. And a lot of it is me listening to the faculty member to find out what they need for their students. Um, it's rarely, you know, me telling them. It's all right. about me listening and then trying to um, come up with lots of different solutions. That's awesome. And that's awesome that Stony Brook does that for their professors. Um, and you're talking about face-to-face -face stuff, classroom stuff. You and I met through an online experience. Um, tell me your background in that. Was that the first time you've done online? How, how did you get, you know, teaching online? Because that's, it was about, you were teaching us how to teach online, which is what our course was. Right. So, um, uh, let's see. I started taking courses for my master's degree here at Stony Brook. And at the time, I think this is still the case, the program I was in, you could take a class, you could take it in person, or you could take it online, you had a choice. Mm -hmm. um, and that's actually where a lot of um, higher ed is going. They're realizing that technology is just one tool. Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be all online or all in person, it can be a mixture of all of those things mm -hmm. um, because really we need to reach students where they are. And so many students in higher education are working. Um, you know, they have families, they're working, they are taking care of their parents. They, they're doing so many things and trying to advance in their careers and get the education. So we're understanding that and trying to meet them with technology. So, um, my, in my previous position, I was also doing instructional design for faculty at a university, and that's how I met Andrew. Um, so in my position, we had created a two-week online asynchronous workshop for faculty, and at that university, it was required. So if you wanted to teach an online course or a blended course, it was required that you get this training. And so myself and my colleagues in instructional design, we created this two-week um, workshop and we taught it as if it were an online course. And the idea there is to have faculty experience a good online course, a well-designed, well-facilitated, live, asynchronous course. Um, asynchronous means that they are logging in at a time that works for them. Mm -hmm. So I'm not requiring them to be online at a certain time. Um, so it means different place, different time. So they're in their home. So for example, Andrew, I think you're in Westchester County. Uh, Orange County, close, a little, little County. more north. Yeah, Orange County, New York. Yep. Right. So you're in Orange County. I'm in Suffolk County. And we aren't necessarily... We're not in the same place. We're not in the same room not, and we're not logging in at the same time. And yet we were able to create a community, a sense of community, a sense of collegiality um, 
you know, a welcoming atmosphere, but also rigorous. Um, you know, I hope, <laughs> I hope it was a good experience for you. Um, and what we, you know, our mission is to have faculty experience that. So then they understand how they will teach. Um, because there's a lot of assumptions about teaching online. And, you know, so for example, it's easy. Um, it's lonely. It's too much work. Um, students just click. Um, there's a lot of cheating. There's so many assumptions. And so yeah, yeah. it would be not useful for me to sit and lecture. Um, it's much better for you to experience it on your own because then you can take those experiences and translate them into what works for you and your students. Well, and if that was the goal, Carol, you, you hit the mark. Uh, you really did. It was my first experience and I had all of those assumptions. I mm -hmm. believed those and you made it so personal. You made it so user-friendly. It was so clear and it really changed my mindset. And that's why we're here today because I said, wow, she, you know, how, how did you do that? How did you make online learning? I felt like I knew you when we were done with the course. How did you do that through the use of technology and, and virtually without us ever meeting until here on the podcast today? Right. So it's actually, um, thank you. I'm glad that you had a good experience and I'm oh, yeah. glad that I could be here today to talk a little bit about it. So really it's about, um, it's about pedagogy. It's really about good teaching practices. And there's a re research, you know, a ton of research on using technology for your teaching goals. So it's not the technology. It's really how you use it. Um, so basically, there, you know, there's research on instructional design. Uh, instructional design really came from the military, um, the military had to train uh, people like large giant groups of people and had to re realize like, how do we do this effectively? How do we do it efficiently? How do we measure it? Right? Because anytime you teach something at the end, you want to know how to measure it. And so you need to go actually to the beginning and set some goals, some measurable goals. Mm -hmm. um, so really, Oh, did we lose you? You sounded so crystal clear. I hope we didn't lose you. There you are. Sorry, we had a little gap. Sorry. So you and your audience, I think, are really um, in the best possible um, place to use your teaching expertise and start incorporating maybe like a little bit of technology. I feel like you don't need to go crazy. You know, mm -hmm. maybe just use one or two tools that are going to help you reach students where they are. Um, and if you're interested in teaching online, I think the best idea is to take something online and experience it yourself. Um, you know, maybe take a few different things, um, ask around and find out what are the good online courses. And, you know, once you have experienced it, I think it's easier than to try it yourself. Um, so yeah, it's hard to really explain. It's something yeah. you, you need to experience. I agree with that 100%. And Carol, you mentioned some of the myths, right, about teaching online, being online. You know, 
what are, what are some of the uh, the things about or, or what advice would you give to someone taking a course online? Um, you know, because again, I I learned, and you were very uh, uh, nice to me when when I needed a little pushing there. But what what advice would you give to someone that is going to take that course online? So a, a few things. Um, there are tools out there um, like self assessments where you, where you answer questions and you get some kind of feedback. Um, I think Penn State has one. It's called like a self assessment of online learning. And it asks you some questions and suggests some things to you. So the big thing is, um, you know, honestly, are you good at managing your time? And, you know, if you're not good at managing your time, then online might be hard for you. So you need to be really honest with yourself. Um, And, you know, as a student, just be honest and say, what are your strengths, you know, and where do you need some support? So um, I would say time management, um, being very intentional about carving out time and space uh, so you can be alone and think about your work and do your readings and write your posts or create whatever it is you need to create for your course. Um, The the best online courses, I think, um, have you do a variety of things. So you're not just watching a video you're not just reading something, but you're also creating something and you're sharing something mm-hmm. and you're teaching the other people in your course something. Um, those, I, I think, are the best experiences. So I would say, um, yes, I would say time management. I would say, you know, try something. Um, there are a lot of MOOCs online. So a MOOC is a massive online, massive open online course. Um, It's not for credit. And a lot of times they're free. Uh Um, So you can try it out just to kind of get a sense of what's out there. There's a lot of high quality materials out there that are free. Um, And the nice thing about that is you're, you know, it doesn't cost anything to try it. Um, But, uh, but yeah, higher education is an investment. It's expensive. And so, you know, you want to get the best value for that investment. Um, so I would ask around, you know, before you before you jump into some degree or program, I would yeah. really check it out first. And and one thing, again, you did for us talking about time management, you, you know, the modules were all broken up. It was two weeks and it went fast. But like you had, like Monday, Tuesday, boom, this should happen. You know, Wednesday, Thursday, you you broke it up for us. Um, and really, yeah, you did have to be organized. But you as the professor or the instructor made it very clear. And that was one of the things I really, you know, about instruction giving. Your, your instructions were were impeccable, as well as, as you said in the course, in multiple spots, right? It wasn't just like, where where's that assignment? You had, you were able to navigate it easily. So those were two things that you did that I thought were exceptional. Able to find the stuff, but very clear about what was due when. Um, and then, you know, most importantly, you know, my next question, how flexible are you with deadlines? Because I, I, I missed one, right? And I got caught up and, and, I, and I missed one. And you were like so super, you wanted me to succeed in the course, not, aha, 
you missed it and I, you're, you failed now. Big F on there. You, Andrew, you got to get this done. Andrew, I need it by this time. Um, you know, prompt, accountable, but I like felt the kindness through the computer. And, you know, how often do you see that with students learning online? Well, you know, I mean, I've, I can only speak for the people that I've interacted with. And um, so my doctoral degree is through Northeastern University. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that was online. Um, and so it helped me to understand, you know, how much of learning is really on me. It's really on me getting things done, on doing the readings and doing the papers and sharing what I know. Um, and I, I have to say, you know, I've, it's been a great experience because I think many of the instructors that do teach online have a lot of respect for their students because they recognize that they're choosing online because they have so many responsibilities in their life. And this is the only option to make it work because, you know, they can't leave their kids every night to go take classes. So this online option is really the one thing that's going to work for them. Um, And so because of that, I think professors just really respect students and respect their time. And like you said, they want to see their students succeed. And so, you know, it doesn't serve anyone to, you know, to try to make people feel bad about missing a, a deadline. If it's one day or two days, I think most of us are, you know, okay with that. Um, You know, if it's weeks, if the student totally stops working, that's another issue. But, um, you know, people want to be treated with respect. Uh, I think that's true for all of us, you know, all the time. And, um, And so, you know, we just try to model that. We just try to model that for the instructors. So hopefully that was a good experience for you. And, you know, and then you would model it for your students and then they would model it for their students. And it's almost like planting a seed. And then, you know, that that seed will some someday be a tree and feed someone and, you know, give shade to someone. And that's kind of how I see my work is just every day planting some seeds. (laughs) Virtually, of course. Yes. (laughs) And you did that. And it really was impressive. And again, I appreciate you staying connected with me. And and, and here we are. Um, Carol, you recently made a professional change in your life. You left that former university and and now we're at at Stony Brook. Can you tell me that process? How how did that happen for you? And and what was your mindset in in making that decision to change uh, where where you were working? Sure. Um, so I, I am lucky because um, my, so my, I got my master's at Stony Brook okay. um, and I had taught here as an adjunct. And um, so I always had a good connection and a good frame of reference for Stony Brook. Um, and I did go to another university and work there for five years and loved it and had a great experience. Um, And, you know, it was just time to, to move up a little bit, like, um, you know, get another experience, get more responsibility. Um, And Stony Brook is a great place to grow. It's growing. Um, They're doing a lot of interesting things. And, 
you know, the opportunity was there. So I felt like it was, it was just a great, a great chance to, you know, go to a new place, new slash, you know, familiar. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Well, good for you. And, and I hope you're happy there. Uh, I know it's a beautiful area of New York and, uh, um, you know, I hear good things about Stony Brook as well. Uh, Carol, how about yourself, your own learning? You have people coming to you. They, they're looking for help. You're trying to make learning engaging and interesting. How do you learn the newest thing or, you know, your learning? Where do you get to sharpen your saw? How does that happen for you? Right. So um, that happens for me as I work on my dissertation. Um, so my dissertation is actually going to on this work that I'm doing. Okay. Um, it's called, it's in general, it's called educational development. Okay. So it's the development of educators in higher education. Um, and in order to do the dissertation, you're reading the literature and you're reading the latest research. And so that's exciting for me because I'm reading this and I'm actually be, I'm able to use it as I'm reading it. Um, so that's how I keep myself, um, current and how I know what's happening in my field. Um, and I just, I've always been a curious person and I love reading anyway, so it all works out. Carol, you mentioned two, two words that you just, you know, uh, working with teachers, curious and, and listen, that you listen to them. My experience is that people don't like to change. People are comfortable with the way they're doing it. It works for them. They feel secure in that. People are coming to you for help. How do you get them to step outside that comfort zone and say, well, you know, give this a try? It's good they're coming to you because that means they, they want the change. They want the help. But how do you get them to actually do it? Hmm. Um. A lot of times the faculty that do come to see us, um, you know, I guess you're right. They're self-selecting. They're already interested in making a change. Yeah. Um, and what I always say is, you know, making small changes um, can have a big effect. So you don't need to change everything you're doing. Um, if it's working, that's wonderful. But if there's one specific thing, uh, one specific goal that you would like to make a change in, then let's let's think about what can we tweak basically um so you know i would say the people that are coming to us are coming to us because they want to make some kind of change um but we also uh you know we reach out so we'll reach out with workshops with webinars um you know we've got the faculty commons where they can pop in for coffee you know that's free um, and, and just knowing that there's support. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I guess being available, giving things away. So giving templates. So for example, we have a syllabus template. So if you're a new instructor and you don't have a syllabus or you know that your syllabus needs work, we'll just give you a template and that, and basically it shows you how to, how to make it work. Yeah. Um, the course site. So if you're going to teach online, we can provide you with a template of a course site. Um, so that gives you a place to start. So you're not starting from scratch. And so what ends up happening is that sometimes 
people will come to us for one specific thing, but then they'll build a relationship with us and they'll know that they can come to us for other things. Um, and so that relationship grows and then we do more work together. Um, you know, so it's just goodwill basically, you yeah. know, we try to, we try to be of service and that seems to help. <laughs> That's great. And it sounds like a real community you know, builder. Carol, one of the initiatives that I, I'm trying to do in my school is have teachers see other teachers. I don't want to use the word observe because people get, oh, they're observing me, they're critiquing me. But but to see them, right? Mm -hmm. Do you have you had the experience where a teacher is, is doing or professors using a, a technology or a tool really well and you could say, hey, I want I want Joe to come watch, you know, Kathy because she's an expert and does that happen? Do you help facilitate that relationship as, uh, as well? Yes, absolutely. So um, our department holds a colloquium every year, and our mission is to bring faculty together so they can see other faculty. Um, yeah. And really, our our role is to to be the facilitator. So it's not so much about me being telling people what to do, but me saying, hey, look at this professor, they're doing something amazing. And, you know, this professor is doing something amazing and sort of just hosting it so that those conversations can happen. Um, and in, in that same spirit, for example, the course that you took, um, that was one, one of the things we were aiming for is that you would connect with other faculty yeah. and learn from each other. So that's always... Um, that's that's a good instructional design best practice, you know, having people learn from each other versus not just the top down learning. Correct. Yeah. And you did that because we had to read each other's posts and comment. So not only were you absorbing it, you were also giving feedback. Uh, and that was it was a great experience. It was a great practice. Do you find that in your conversations about Twitter? I mean, that's how I feel about Twitter. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm learning and more and more each day and following people and getting great tips and feedback. Is that your feelings about Twitter as well? Do you encourage people to get on Twitter, that kind of stuff? Um, well, I think, you know, Twitter is a tool mm -hmm. and, you know, a tool can be used well and, and it, you know, and then the opposite can be true as well. <laughs> sure. So sure. I'm on Twitter. I use it to connect with other um, scholars, so other researchers, and a lot of times they'll they'll say, "Hey, I've got a paper, you know, read my paper." And um, I follow. There's a, a specific area that I'm following. Um, so yeah, I think it's useful. Um, sometimes I go on Twitter and I'll see things that maybe I don't find useful. Um, so I'll just ignore it, or you know, I'm not following that. Sure. Um, so. I think it depends. I think it depends on how you use it. You know, what are you looking for? Um, but yeah, I have found a lot of really useful people and research. Um, so yeah, it's been good. Cool. Well, I'm going to get to it, but I want to make sure I make, uh, ask you what, what is your Twitter handle, uh, Carol? And um, because a lot of our listeners are Twitter users as well. So what is that? It's at Carol, C-A-R-O-L underscore ed ed underscore dev d e v okay 
for development. Very cool. All right, Carol, we are at that point of the show. It is the rapid fire portion of the show. It's the fan favorite. Uh, we, these are fast moving questions. Uh, the, you know, the answer that pops right to your head. Are you ready? No. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> He's Long Island, but they're always ready. <laughs> uh, last book you read? The last book I read was called Polishing the Mirror Ooh. by Ram Das. R A M D A S S. Happy with it? Yes, it was wonderful. It's um, uh, written by a professor um, who is now, um, I guess, a guru. And it's about raising your consciousness and, you know, accepting, being accepting of reality, being in the moment, um, you know, loving people as they are mm -hmm. and just trying to be here, you know, not be in the past, not be in the future, but just be here right now. I dig it. Last movie you saw. The last movie I saw. Hmm. I can't remember, but I'll tell you a movie that I saw that I loved. It was called How Mom Decolonized the Screen. How Mom Decolonized the Screen. Um, and it was a documentary about a woman filmmaker in New Zealand, and her name is Marata Mita, M-I-T-A. Her first name is my last name? Oh no! It's M E R A T A. Okay. Merata. Okay. Yeah, it was great. Awesome. Favorite place to travel. A uh, favorite place to eat. Let's travel, see. Travel. Oh, travel. To travel. Oh my goodness! I don't travel anywhere. Um, a lot of travel. I was. I was recently at a conference in Madison, Wisconsin, and. Oh. Madison was beautiful. Yeah. It was beautiful and people were friendly and the food was wonderful. So I would recommend Madison, Wisconsin. You have some cheese? Um probably. I don't remember. <laughs> we didn't go out for cheese exactly, but okay. we were we were at a conference right at the um University of Wisconsin, Madison. Yeah. So that's right downtown. And so we did try out some of the restaurants and it was wonderful. Cool. Greatest challenge in your work? Greatest challenge in my work? Hmm. Um, I mean, I wish I could, I could do more faster. I, I feel like that's a challenge. Um, and since I'm new, I'm still sort of learning the organization. So, um, you know, I guess there's a, it's a little bit in the beginning when you're new somewhere, it seems like you're moving a little slowly because you're still learning things like sure. you're learning, you know, where is something, where is HR, where is, you know, where do I get my business cards printed? Um, you're sort of wandering around. It's kind of like when you're new in a school, like it's your first day of high school and you're sort of wandering around with your schedule and you don't know where you're going. <laughs> I kind of feel like that. Um, so people have been really kind and, really helpful. And, you know, I know that it's just a kind of a learning curve and that I'll get up to speed eventually. Sure. Uh, a pet peeve of yours, something that gets under your skin just a bit. Hmm. Pet peeve. Um, 
I don't know. Is you it seem, like, you sorry. Seem pretty, you seem pretty easygoing. Yeah. Well, I try to be, I, I'm sure that's not true, but <laughs> I try to be, um, you know, I guess I just try to, to think that, um, you know, not take anything personally. So anything that happens, I just say, you know, it's not personal and it's not about me necessarily. I just try to not get upset about things. If you had a billboard with a message on it, what would that message be? Hmm. That message would be, I guess I would say, you know, be here now, be here now. Just think about now, right now. What's the best thing you could do right now? Awesome. I love it. How about something that's been a challenge for you professionally um, that, you know, took some time and, and was a hurdle for you? Well, I mean, I think um, I think everything can be a hurdle. Every day is a hurdle. Um, I, I think that you have to be easy with yourself in the sense that, um, you know, it's not a race. Um, if you're enjoying your work, you're going to do a good job. And if you're kind and honest and you treat people with respect, you're going to be fine. So um, maybe the hurdle was learning that, you know, um, I've been working for a long time and I think now I appreciate, I appreciate my work more maybe when I was in my twenties, I think I was really in a rush and I was really, you know, trying to get somewhere, you know, and I think now I'm, maybe I've, I've become a little more patient. That was very well said, Carol. Uh, I know you're trying to get situated there at Stony Brook, so I'm going to guess on, on your short-term goal. But how about a long-term goal? Three to five years, what is, what's a long-term goal that you have? Hmm. So, I mean, I have to finish my dissertation. That's yeah. definitely in that time period. I hope I hope it's sooner than three to five years. Um, and I would like to take my research and turn it into a book. Um because my interest is in educational development, but specifically the lived experiences of Hispanic or Latinx or Latina women doing educational development in higher mm -hmm. education. Um, so the Hispanic women demographic is growing really quickly in this country, um, but it's still like, it's really underrepresented in higher education and all the professions. Um, so it's a group that has huge potential and um, and it's, I feel like it's just not getting much attention. So I would love to serve that group. Um, so that's definitely within my goal of, you know, reaching out to that group, helping them tell their stories, helping yeah. them feel that they belong in higher education and they belong, um, you know, in places of leadership. So that's one of my long-term goals. Another beautiful answer, Carol. I, I wish you uh, great success in that. And, and if I can help you at all, uh, my book journey was fantastic and I'm working on my second one. And 
I'd love to have that conversation with you. Um, and if you are watching, if people watching live here, if you are watching, you know, let's reach out to Carol and, and try to help her support her uh, in that. How can people get in touch with you, Carol, uh, that, that have watched this or, or want to maybe get involved with that movement or learn more about uh, online learning? Sure. Well, uh, one quick way would be through Twitter. Mm-hmm. So through my Twitter handle. Mm-hmm. Um, I am on Facebook, but I hardly ever look at it. So I probably wouldn't, that wouldn't be the best way to reach me. <laughs> uh, and hopefully they won't turn us off as we're on Facebook now. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, but if they wanted to contact you directly, how could they do that? Is Twitter the best way? Do you want to share an email? Um, you know, what would be the best way? Yeah, I would say Twitter is the best way. All right. And that was at Carol underscore E-D underscore D-E-V. Yes, that's correct. Very cool. All lowercase? Um, I think it's the C is capital, the E is capital, and the D is capital. Okay. All right. Well, this was Carol Hernandez, everyone, um, at uh, Stony Brook University. You did a wonderful job here on the program. And uh, really, you know, that message of kindness and supporting other people really came through with what you had to say, Carol. So I'm, I'm very grateful to have you on the show. Great. Thank you so much for having me, Andrew. Cool. Cool. Yeah. And she taught that online course. And uh, I learned a lot. And I'm putting the stuff in, in my course this year uh, that I'm teaching that. So I appreciate that, Carol. And uh, again, she's at Twitter, um, at Carol underscore E-D underscore D-E-V. The first letter is capital of each. Um, I appreciate you coming on, Carol. Great. Thank you so much. All right. We're going to get this music queued up, and uh, we will say goodbye to Carol Hernandez. This was show number 101, Education, Leadership, and Beyond. I am Andrew Murata signing off. I am at Andrew Murata 21. Leave us a positive review. Uh, Certainly, if you watch the show after, a positive comment as well. Thank you so much, everyone.